Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. All right, people, you know that the unfiltered band means yes, another episode of Unfiltered coming your way. Now it's an unfiltered live. Officially, uh, this will go down as episode number 138. I'm entitling it Let's Get Physical. Carlos Correa, 12 years the New York Metropolitans and thank you unfiltered band as always for joining us and thank you to all of you whether you're on Apple Spotify everywhere you get your podcasts whether you're on my YouTube channel or believes which you can get the information on those inside my Twitter bio whether you're watching on Twitter at Casey Stern or however you are doing so and jumping on board the unfiltered revolution is good to have you on board and along the way I don't know how long this is going to be it is rare and I've been doing this almost 20 years it is rare and I've done a ton of radio shows, TV, where your heartbeat is jumping out of your chest for like an hour leading up to just spew and unload. What is the following? Steve Cohen from Hawaii with the candlestick. Carlos Correa is a New York Met pending... Let's get physical. By the way, let's get this out of the way. As always, we're presented by our good friends at Ben Online. Basketball's back. Ben Online remains your number one source. All your sports betting needs this season. You'll find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends over at Ben Online. Your continued source for all your sports wagering information. Ben Online's got live betting, free contests, giveaways all season long. It's always the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and events, whether it's NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, even golf. It's simple. Head over to betonline.ag. That's betonline.ag to join. Get your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo code BELIEVE. That's B. EAV to receive your rewards at Bet Online, where the game starts as we get started here. And I say this you can always chat with us. I'll respond to tweets afterwards when we're not live, but you can get it on the chat either on YouTube or by opening the box on uh, Twitter and getting in there as well. You could chat with me along the way, and I'll try and hit as many of your comments as I can. I want to start here with this because I feel like, and I've got, I mean, look, even my notes are, are all, I mean, I'm all over the place. I woke up this morning, gave the kids their breakfast. They're off this week. They get going at like 6.30 in the morning. I didn't even get on my phone till around 8. When I got on my phone and looked at Twitter, and I saw in my mentions something about Correa, I had somebody messing with me. I thought this was Arson Judge all over again. And then I continued to look and to find and to seek and to read about what happened in the wee hours of the morning on the East Coast last night. As while he's on vacation at dinner, Steve Cohen, seeing an opening with Correa, connects with Scott Boris and gets a 12-year deal at $315 million, pending a physical, which clearly, let's start here, is a concern for sure. Now, Correa's been pretty durable Correa had a lot of teams that were in on him making offers. There's a lot of due diligence that goes on before that. You know, Steve Phillips, my good friend, made a great point, I thought, on Twitter. When you had Dansby Swanson still available at the time, and we'll talk about the Giants here on this show today, what the heck are the Giants doing waiting a week to get to the physical where they could have bounced off of Correa and gone to Swanson or elsewhere not the situation they have now where you want to talk about irony of ironies. Third base right now, what? A battle between Wilmer Flores and J.D. Davis 
former Mets, to play third base for the Giants. They say it's not the back issue. I don't know what the issue was. I'm sure it'll come out. We'll find out what it is. I don't think Steve Cohen, as an owner, is putting out there his own quotes and getting out himself to make comments about Correa coming to the Mets if he doesn't believe that he's done his due diligence. And a guy with that kind of money, sure, he's got a lot of money. But when you're spending it at this level, I'm sure is doing that due diligence. You don't do that without thinking that you have gone down the line enough to be assured that Carlos Correa is going to play and he's going to be healthy for you. I don't know why that happened. I don't know how it happened with the Giants. We'll get to the Giants a little later. This isn't about the Giants. This is about the New York Mets. This stove is on fire. When you're a Met fan, and this is what people don't get, and I want to dig into Correa, and I will, and what it means for the team and all of that. But I think we have to start here with a lesson. Because there are going to be, and there should be, because Met fans right now are going to be insufferable. There should be. A lot of people, and you'd be the same way if you're a Met fan, be fair. If it was the Yankees or the Braves or any other Phillies, it wouldn't matter what team it was, that was out there making all these signings, making all these headlines, spending all this money, you'd be saying, ah, that's great. Your payroll's great. You, you blew the division last year. The Mets are going to met. They collapsed. They didn't even win a playoff series. They couldn't beat the Padres. Complaining about Musgrove's ear. You lost to Grom. You're going to go into whatever you can go into because we don't want to be happy for other people in this world, sadly. And in baseball, you get it. Rivalries. It's about what your team didn't spend and then what they didn't get. And why aren't they in the news? It's jealousy. And do you know how a Met fan knows that it's jealousy? Because a Met fan has lived a jealous life. A Met fan has lived an envious life. A Met fan has lived a bitter life life. Remember that time, love, and tenderness? What is that, Michael Bolton? If you're a Met fan, it's years of bitterness. That's the song you have sung for decades. And I know, because all my family are Yankee fans, and I lived that as a kid, and as I tweeted out, this is how I always envision it must be like to be a Yankee fan. Now, let's get it out of the way. Does it guarantee him a title? No. Have they won the division yet? No. Did they win a playoff series? No. Do they still play the season? Yes. Do they have age in the rotation? Yes. Do we have questions about what Sengai can do over here? Yeah, sure. Could I Senga? Sure. Uh, Diaz, you paid a closer five years. What are you kidding me? Okay, great. You want to get into all of that, the pressure, the expectations. They haven't done it. What Scherzer down the stretch last season. What's he going to look like this year? You could go into anything that you want, and it all is there for you on a platter. And it's all real. And as Met fans, we can't say a single peep because we agree and understand that too. But what you don't get is that the Met fan has lived a life of jealousy. They have always had the Mets be treated like the Milwaukee Mets, not the New York Mets. The Wilpons be named to Steve Summers, not the Wilpons. They have had boys in the clubhouse. They've had Luis Castillo. They've had Mr. Met their own mascot, the best in the sport, or the Philly fanatic, either way. But Mr. Met, give him the finger, not the other team, their own fan base. We've had the Mickey Calloway press conference one, press conference two. We could go down the line forever. Timo Perez is base running. I don't know what you want to give me. Burnett's not once but twice. What about what was going to be with Alex Ochoa or Ryan Thompson 
or Al, I mean, you, know, you can go Alex Escobar. How many guys you want to give me? Chris Donalds. We can give you every single thing you want. Vince Coleman with the firecrackers, the whole thing in 93, the Generation K. We've had generations of jealousy and bitterness and envy. We know what it is and we get it. And we have been you. But we've never been us. This us. It may mean we don't win a World Series. And now, as I said in a tweet recently before I got on this show, and I was watching my uh, son was watching Empire Strikes Back this morning, and it reminded me of basically the Mets 2023, 2024, 2025, 2026, 2027. There is no do or do not. There is do or do not. There is do or do not. There is no try. That's it. You got to win the whole damn show now. I get it. You think a Met fan cares? The reason a Met fan's excited is not because they're guaranteed a World Series, not because they can talk some crap to you on Twitter. The reason a Met fan's excited because they have been envious of other fan bases feeling like this their whole damn lives. I know. I've lived it. You don't know how many times and years and days and weeks I had to go on air and have people give me crap because they knew I was a Met fan and apologize to me and say they felt bad for me because of whatever was going on in the current day. But Cespedes is safe. I could drop these in all day. Met fan disgraces and jokes and all of that. That is why a Met fan is jacked up. That is why you are here. That is why I can't even control myself for crying out loud. Because this isn't a life we've lived. We don't do things that, like, the Yankees used to do. Oh, buy players and not win. They didn't win 96 what, 98, 99, 2000? I mean, how many? T- they were in it to win it. The Mets fan haven't been in it to win anything. The Mets fan remembers Sunday Night Baseball with Soup Campbell and John Mayberry Jr. against the Yankee team sitting there on national TV embarrassing themselves. The Mets fan remembers not being able to hit Bumgarner or Kershaw and must win games. The Mets fan remembers Cole Gillespie. The Mets fan remembers all of that. Kenny Rogers walking Andrew Jones, ruining the Ventura moment. Andy Chavez and Valentina driving in runs, ruining the catch. And then the Heilman-Molina situation. And then the bat on the shoulders with Carlos Beltran. It is Hanukkah. It is Christmas. It is Kwanzaa. It is dogs and cats living together. Mass hysteria. If you are a freaking Met fan and you eat that shit all up. Own it. Love it. Thin it. Swim in it. Guaranteed anything. But with the people under Met fans, instead of Met not sitting there, we're going to go win three World Series. The Met fans, your players do as crazy as that may sound. The World Series, they go one and two, and they're going to freak out. The Met fans still got visions of Willingham and Miguel Olivo against Tom Glavin, giving up seven runs. The Met fans still got visions of being down, what, 7 nothing when Piazza hit the three-run home run, was it off Smoltz to tie the game, that they lost anyway. Met fans got visions of Jerry's Familia. Mets fans got visions of Armando Benitez. They got all that in the back of their head. You don't need to tell them, but what people need to understand is why a Met fan is going to be insufferable, why a Met fan is going to enjoy the hell out of all this, is because we haven't enjoyed anything. I used, I used to say, even in 2015, covering it, I used to sit there on the air every day in the second half of the season be like, Met fans didn't even enjoy. They weren't a good team. This is a Soup Campbell year, and here's Cespedes, and then they did Drew Storen. Thank you very much, Matt Williams, a couple of times, and all of a sudden, then Daniel Murphy, and you are where you are, and 
I mean, they were in the World Series, but all they remember is Terry Collins and Matt Harvey and Lucas Duda and Eric Hosmer. They don't remember anything else that even happened. Met fans don't know how to enjoy life. Met fans don't know how to enjoy anything. Again, it ain't time, love, and tenderness. It's years worth of bitterness. But not today. Not today. Today, you're screaming out your window. Today, you're walking out there in the street. Today, you're out there proudly wearing Met gear. Today, you're out there saying to yourself, where, where, I mean, it's like in My Cousin Vinny, where he stands up after Mr. Tinta Tipton, and the guy stands up and says, I want him. Everybody wants us to play for us, to be here, to... Carlos Correa, have whatever happened, I mean, I need a sip of water. By the way, Believe Network, you can get their swag. Carlos Correa saw an opening, and that's it, bounced. I, you know, look, the, the physical, what happened, happened. I don't know, we're going to find out if necessarily the Giants were out. They tried, maybe tried to restructure a deal. But the Mets even being in on Carlos Correa after everything they've done, we just dealt with back-to-back -back days of Senga and Verlander being introduced. Last week of Robertson and Quintana and Rayleigh. The next day, followed by Brandon Nimmo. I mean, at this point, the Mets may sign Odell Beckham Jr. That is why a Met fan is pumped and jacked up. That's why I haven't even gotten into this deal, which I will now, in 13 minutes. Because the deal is for a Met fan that, yeah, we understand what the expectations are. And just look at the infield. Look, I remember when he'd say, you know, best infield ever. And, you know, look, defensively, we understand. Or Donez and Eduardo Alfonso at 99, right? And the cover of Sports Illustrated and all that stuff. I love John Allrude. Maybe the most underrated bet of all time, in my opinion. We don't understand what that infield was. They had a great infield when they had Rice in the infield. But this Peter Alonso and Carlos Correa, are you kidding me? And then I could even say, hey, the guy who could replace three of those guys defensively is a glove caliber in Luis Guillorme, who even their bench guys are better than they used to be. But those guys used to be the soups and the Mayberry Juniors in the middle of the lineup, not the extra dudes, Vogelbach. We don't even know what to do with Francisco Alvarez, and he's the best prospect in the damn game. This isn't a life the Mets have led. We don't know if David Peterson is going to make a start. He looked pretty good last year. This isn't a life the Mets have led. In on Liam Hendricks still, still, even though they got out of Vino and brought him back for a two-year deal, which we thought, okay, when Robertson's in, out of Vino's gone. This isn't a life the Mets fan has led. It's a great point in the chat. And this is, this is you know, this is like the example of what I'm talking about here. Used to call MLB Radio celebrating you the Mets signing Moises Alou. How the, I mean, look. If you're a Met fan, you used to celebrate anything. You were looking for promotions on the calendar that day. Oh, wow, it's fireworks night from Geico. Gotta go. Not anymore. Not anymore. Bill gets in and says, best birthday present ever. Happy birthday, Bill. Happy birthday to you. I mean, this is, this is not normal life. This isn't normal life. In the chat, we're programmed for years to accept winning with a Pittsburgh payroll. Yeah. I remember. 
Mets have spent more this offseason than I think the Pirates have spent, I don't know, in their history combined. It's, a, it's absurd. It is absurd. Now let's get to what it means. Carlos Correa is a player who at $350 million, and look, it's over 13 years, so you got to remember because the money, and it is a lot, but it's it's the every year in the AAV versus do you pay for the length of term, and the AAV is a little lower. We get that. When you looked at that deal for the Giants, and you got to be, this is how you look at it as your Met fan. What did you think about when you saw it for the Giants? I'll tell you what I thought. I thought too much. I thought too many years. I thought for the Giants, who Aaron Judge would have changed their culture and their franchise, Carlos Correa wasn't going to do that to the extent that they needed, and they had to pay somebody to go do that. When they lost out on Judge, they had to find somebody the Giants did to do that. No offense to Mitch Hanniger or to Sean Benaya or Ross Stripling or any other nice little moves that they've made. They had to find a guy who could do that, and I thought that's too much for Carlos Correa to do by himself. Probably too much for Judge to do by himself. But Correa is not Aaron Judge. But when you have the money that Steve Cohen has, assuming the physicals, and again, let's get physical. Let's remember that you know, I, it, it would be just another Met thing, wouldn't it, if I'm back here in three hours doing another show, laughing at everything I'm saying now because he fails the physical and this blows up and who knows what. And it's been some hoax and hoop-de-doo, right? I don't think I've ever said hoop, but hoop-de-doo-de-doo. For Carlos Correa to come to the Mets, he didn't have to change anything. This is greed. This is the movie Wall Street, Greed is Good. The Mets already won 100 games. The Mets already fortified and deep in a rotation. When you think about the amount of starts Verlander is going to make versus DeGrom, then what Senga could be, what we know of Quintana, even if he's somewhere between last year's great year and what he usually is, that means durability and a lot of innings and replacing some of Bassett, some of Walker. The buildup of Peterson, I would keep Carrasco go and not move him. If you got all this money in the world, you don't need to worry about $14 million because you don't care about the tax. Don't move Carrasco. And then you still got, you know, Tyler McGill, the big drip. You still got Luke. You need seven, eight guys. You need that. I remember talking to Theo Epstein shortly after it was right after the rule five draft in the offseason after the Cubs won the world series. I asked him the first, and this was on the air, the first thing that he was going to do. And he said he had to improve the rotation from number seven to 10. That is what winning teams have to do. The Mets didn't replace or deplete any of that. Because I remember many, many eons ago, and I love him, being around Ned Coletti when the Dodgers had, I don't even know how many guys in their rotation. And a couple of the names they lost in the day I was at spring training were Ted Lilly and, and this is how long ago it was, Chad Billingsley. But they had like eight, nine guys. All of a sudden, he got four. Dodgers last year in their, in their staff, right? How quickly that stuff can go and deplete. You keep the depth, but their rotation depth is better. The bullpen, Adovino comes back and Diaz comes back, okay. But no offense at, at all to anybody that they lost, but Rayleigh and Robertson are huge upgrades. They got a deeper pen, and with the staff I just said, you could have Lucchese and or McGill and or Peterson in the pen with them. It's a deeper, better bullpen. It's a big shot. But then the one question the Mets had was that lineup. Because, and I've said this before, and I said this when Nimmo came back. If you're looking at the Mets logistically last year, the Starley Marte injury was the worst thing that could have happened and it happened at the worst time. I'm not saying that's the only reason they blew the division or lost the division, whatever way you want to look at it. We know what Scherzer and DeGrom and Bassett, all three of them, didn't do in the series against the Braves. We know what didn't happen against the Nationals. We know what didn't happen against the Cubs when they got swept. We understand all that going back August, September. 
But anybody who's watching the games knows it's a different team with Marte in the lineup than it is without. Well, now Marte don't got to go play center field because you brought Nimmo back, and he got Marte healthy. And you still got Canna. And I think they'll still try and add. I know Drury moved, but you got Duvall, you got Conforto. There's other guys who are still out there. Profar to try and add in that depth there, too. And we know McNeil can move around as well. You're going to still see some Guillaume. But they had Escobar at third and a little bit of Beatty, if you believe in that. And I'm not a huge buyer into him, and that's not anything negative. It's just I'm not I'm – not, you know, it's not a prospects are cool, parades are cooler. It's just – I look – Looks like he's, he's, you know, got a nice swing. Seems like a good kid. Love that he hit a home run the first day, but I don't know what he is yet. And I don't think Vientos, Vientos rather, is really much of anything. Don't know what those guys are going to add into that mix. But you had Escobar, right? And you had Lindor, and you had McNeil, and you had Alonzo. That's pretty darn good. You brought in Narvaez. You know you're going to eat the McCann money and move him. James McCann's not going to be on this team when this season starts. I think we all understand that because you already don't know what the hell you're going to do with Alvarez. Is he the right-handed DH? They don't really see enough lefties for that. Does he DH every day and Vogelbach's on the bench, which is what I think they almost have to do is if he, Alvarez got to play somewhere. He's going to back up and catch, but is he going to back up and catch? Cause if I got Narvaez on the left and I got there, sit there, Nito from the right, what the hell is he? Alvarez not going to catch much. What one, once every two weeks, I think he, he got a backup knee, but he's not doing that. So what's he doing? I don't know what he's doing. But those are the questions about the lineup and where they were going to be. Well, now you don't have any of those questions because you got Carlos freaking Correa at third base. Now, I'm not sitting there and trying to give you this is A-Rod and Jeter all over again, but the comps need to be made. No, he's not Alex Rodriguez. And no, Francisco's not, you know, Derek Jeter. But I got news for you. This version of Francisco Linder was a better player than Derek Jeter was at that point. You could make a very good case. The intangibles and all that stuff. And, the, and look, I, I love Derek Jeter. I think he was you know, criminally underrated at the end of his career because everybody had crapped on him so much. But I'm just saying, now you got Correa moving over to third base. And what can you do with that? How is that going to work? But this lineup, which you had, prob you had problems hitting any kind of good pitching the last couple of months. Even against bad teams, they couldn't hit anyone, seemingly, when Marte wasn't in the lineup. There were times down the stretch, including in the Padres series, where Nimmo and McNeil were the only great at-bats you had, and everywhere else seemed like a bunch of Swiss cheese in the middle of it, and, and five holes in your lineup. Well, now, you bring in Carlos Correa, who, let me circle back, doesn't need to get paid 315 to change your culture. He's getting paid 315 because that's what it took to get him. He's getting paid 12 years because that's what it took to get him. But he's not coming in here in this lineup, have to be the best player on the team. He doesn't. And if he's the best player on the team, the Mets aren't going to win. But now you got a lineup with Nimmo leading off, Marte inning second. You got Lindor. You got Alonzo. Depending upon what you want to do with the lineup, do you want to work, you know, a lefty in there? Probably. I, you look, you probably put Correa right behind him. Then maybe a Vogelbach when he sits, when he, you know, where he sits in the lineup when he plays, if it's against the righty and he's left-handed, if he's DHing the way it is now. Or McNeil, then Vogelbach, then Canna. I mean, Tomas Nito was hitting better than we ever thought. He, who the hell cares what he does offensively? Just go be a gold glove caliber candidate catcher. Doesn't matter. Go handle this staff. The Mets lineup is good. Now, look, you could say what you want, but if you're a Met fan being real, most of the year last year, you're like, man, we could pitch the hell out of it, but this lineup is not very good. Got a couple of all-stars. It's really top-heavy, and especially when Marte wasn't there, man, five through nine, you're sitting there thinking, this isn't enough. 
in today's day and age, this isn't enough. Well, now they got enough. Now you got enough. Nimmo. I'm not saying he's an all-star, but he's got the potential to be that caliber player. Marte surely does. Lindor surely does. Alonzo surely does. Correa surely does. McNeil surely does. I just went through the top six spots in your lineup, and you got a chance for all of them to be on an all-star team. That's pretty damn good. Your rotation. Scherzer surely does. Verlander surely does. Top two are Cy Young candidates if they're healthy, and I know those are ifs. If Senga does what he seemingly can do he might be one of the best number threes in the sport for all we know but he and Quintana and Carrasco three through five behind what they got one two that's the best rotation in the game bullpen oh you got Edwin Diaz that's great but what's setting him up I don't know three dudes who had like whips under one and terrific years in Robertson and Rayleigh a team that couldn't get lefties out that was sitting there throwing out Joelle all the time. No offense to Joely Rodriguez and Dave Peterson in a bullpen when they could because they couldn't get lefties. You got Robertson who's got reverse splits. You got Rayleigh who's left-handed. They still might even go get another one. They're still looking at right-handed Aliyah Hendricks. They are not done. Because when you spend, you either go for it and try and win it all or what the hell is the point in spending? And that brings me to this. And it's the most important part of anything I'm going to say today. Of anything. Thank you, Steve Cohen. Man. I don't know if this team's going to win a World Series. I don't know if they're going to have the biggest Mets being met year ever. And we've seen Generation K and the greatest team ever put together. And all these, look, the Met fans, and the collapse in 07 and 08. We have seen failures when it seemed like everything was put together, even though those years were few and far between. Just look at what the teams in the 80s didn't do for all that they seemed to be ready to do after 86. And there are different reasons in all of those different scenarios. Many different reasons in many different scenarios. But Steve Cohen has come in, and he hasn't brought you a World Series yet. But he told the truth. I'm in here with a lot of money. I'm a Met fan, and I'm going to try and help this team win a damn World Series title. And that's what I expect to do, and that's the expectation. He brought in Buck Showalter to lead your team. Brought in Francisco Lindor in a trade, then signed him long-term. Locked him up to a huge deal to be the shortstop and the leader on the field of your team. Went out there and got Max Scherzer, who even though it was a ton of money, nobody takes the Mets money. It wasn't about just the amount of money. It's who the hell wants to play for the Mets? Nobody. At times, there are Mets fans' life. It's like, and I'm not a Jet fan, thankfully, even for the other Giants, the ones that have a chance to make a playoffs this year. Sorry, San Francisco. But it would be like if you're the Jets. Who's going to play for them? I don't care how much money it is. But he brought you Max Scherzer. Then when you lost to Grom with his vision, brought you in Verlander. He brought you Senga. You said, wow, okay, we could bring Bassett back, but wouldn't it be amazing? Brought you Quintana, who, look, is a, is a more durable pitcher than Taiwan Walker over his career and outpitched Taiwan Walker at a point where Taiwan Walker, and I love Ty, love him. Does not pitch well. That's down the stretch of a season in the playoffs last year for the Cardinals. He back Edwin Diaz and gave him the two years nobody wants to give a closer in years four and five at 20 a pop because he had to do it. 
Then he brought you David Robertson. Then he said, you know what, Otto, two-year deal, you come back too. Then he brought in Rayleigh, which was, got to give credit to Billy Epler. And that has worked. And give Sandy credit too. The leadership is not a joke. The leadership is not a laughing stock. It's not a bunch of guys who make a lot of money being led to the slaughter. It's a bunch of guys make a lot of money being led by guys who are worth leading in the room in Scherzer and Verlander and Lindor, at the helm in Showalter, and certainly with the ownership of Steve Cohen. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I said this shortly on the air when I was with XM, right after Steve Cohen, when it was official that he was the owner. And I want to bring this back because I said this at the time. This is the part, and somebody asked him in the first introductory press conference, somebody asked Steve Cohen about this, about the text threads that he has with friends during watching games. And then after he was owning the team, about those same threads with those same friends on text texting him. Because Steve Cohen and they're saying, why aren't the Wilpons doing that? Why is this happening? How the hell are we doing that? What do you mean Mr. Met gave the finger to his own fans? What do you mean the Wilpons won't spend the money? What do you mean, Mickey Cow? He's sitting there doing all that. When you go from that with that drive and that love for a team as a fan, and you got all the money in the business sense, certainly because you made plenty, right, to come in with, and then you get to right all those wrongs, think about every damn fan of every team who is listening or watching right now, whether it's YouTube, Spotify, everywhere you get them on your podcasts, whether it's at Casey Stern, Twitter, whether it's on my YouTube channel, which you find the Twitter handle, or Believes, B-L-E-A-V, there you go, plugs. Thank you, Ben Online. Wherever you are, whatever team you root for, think about this right now. Imagine if you were the one, you win the lottery tomorrow, and you get to right every wrong you've said. Every single damn thing that you complain about. A pirate fan who's sitting there saying, these owners got money, and they got money that they don't want to spend. And I feel for a pirate fan. For sure I do. An A's fan. It's brutal. For sure I do. Absolutely. But imagine if you're an A's fan thinking, oh, my God, I'm a diehard. I'll give a shout-out to one of my uh, callers for with a decade and a half, Bleacher Dave, if he's watching this, who's a diehard and A's fan, as I know. You're sitting there, you're an A's fan, all of a sudden you win the lottery, you own the team. Think about all the things you would do. Would you care about luxury tax? Would you care about payroll? Would you care about anything? No, because you're feeling it in here. You got it in here. And when you got it in here, and then you could bring it with this and go out there, you're not worried about any of that. Now, does that make great business sense? Maybe not. Do you think Steve Cohen cares? He doesn't give a shit. Pardon my French. That is the situation you're in, and that is why it is happening, and that is why Carlos Correa for 12 years at 315 is worth it, because guess what? Steve Cohen could go make more moves tomorrow. He's not done. It's like, uh, what about Bob when Bob Wiley, and I love that movie, anybody hasn't seen it, and Bill Murray keeps coming back, he keeps coming back, and then, you know, he goes back to the door, and Richard Dreyfuss lost his mind at this point. You think he's gone, opens the door, he's never gone. You think Steve Cohen's done, opens the door, he's never done. He's never done. Thank you. Thank you. you got to love it. Got to love it. This one in the chat, even at the worst-case scenario, owner will try every year to win a World Series. We'll never have a team that shells out John Mayberry Jr. hitting cleanup ever again. And that's true. They're going to pay to play. 
That's what you have to do. It's what you have to do. You don't have a choice. You don't have a choice. This one comes in from uh, Bill Barton. He says, uh, the luxury tax, they have to let Alvarez stay in AAA now. Same with Beatty. Canna, Narvaez, Escobar's contracts will then fall off. They have the first-generation contracts to offset the bloated payroll. Look, it's possible, but I, look, if you thought Alvarez was good enough to be in a playoff spot last year, and he's a top player in baseball as a prospect, we already saw in this division with the Vaughn Grissoms, right? And and all of the players, my God, and the Striders, and the list goes down the, the line for the Braves over the years, and they're not the only team that's done it. Guys who have put young kids in, and they've succeeded, and they've they've really they've brought that timeline forward if alvarez can play he should be the dh every day you're probably going to want another lefty in the lineup as much as possible which is why vogelbach fits but i got news for you i'm not, I, michael conforto the rangers have been in on conforto the other teams in on conforto you know i don't know what the role's going to be and i don't know what the relationship is but you know, I know Scott Boris's relationship pretty good with the Mets just got on the phone at a dinner in Hawaii and got them Correa was just there at the Nimmo presser and I like Scott Maybe he can get Conforto to sign a deal. Conforto can go be the DH every day, and Vogelbach goes to the bench. And there's your left-handed bat. Conforto would go from a guy who last time you had him had a hit third in the lineup, he hit in seventh. Not a lot of pressure. Not a lot of pressure. And you don't have to hit lefties, which they always tried to protect him from, because you got Alvarez sitting there. Or you can move guys. You got Eduardo Escobar, who if he hits like he did last year, think about the options that Buck Showalter has to play with. McNeil, who can move around second base, third base, outfield. Guillaume, who can move around second base, shortstop, third base. Correa, who can move over shortstop if something happened to Frankie Lindor. You got guys all over the place who can move around. Mark Canna can shift him to center field seemingly any time and be just fine. We know Marte could do that. They got places to do that all the time. All the time. They got tons and tons and tons of versatility. Tons of versatility. This one comes in. It says Vogelbach can't be on the bench if he isn't the DH. Zero defensive ability. Well, look, he could be on the bench if he's not the everyday DH because left-handed bats with thump off the bench still plays at the big league level. And when you've got a guy who gives the kind of at-bats that he does, and sometimes he's too patient, but because he can draw a walk, when you're sitting there starting to try to start a rally in an inning and you've got the combination of a guy who could walk and then get pitch run for and start a rally, or he could be sitting there and hit a home run for you off the bench, you know, sitting in like a Matt Stairs role, let's say, when he was with Philly back in the day, there's absolutely a role still for Volobach, for sure. Because that still plays. And you still got to be paying attention to that. And Bogey gives you good at-bats. And he's great in a room. So I, I don't agree with that. I, I still think... Even if they brought in a Conforto and let's say he was DHing some from the left side and then, you know, Alvarez or however they wanted to do it, Escobar, or even if Escobar wanted to, you know, look, if Escobar is hitting well and they wanted to DH him. But think about the opportunities to get guys off their legs and move guys around in this field. They got a ton of options now. But now there's no excuses. Now there are no excuses. Now there is do or do not. There is no try. In 2023, in 2024, in 2025, and beyond that. There is do or do not with the Mets, and that's win a championship. There is no try. 
Now, look, they get to an LCS next year and losing six or seven games. And by the way, think of what I'm saying, because that's the kind of pressure if they get. How hard is that? It's impossible. It's why the Astros doing it six years in a row was so amazing. And mixed with some other stuff. But if the Mets can lose in an LCS, let's say six or seven games, Mets fans will cry about it. But I don't think you can complain. Then you're saying, OK, that's the first big step. Now we now we're going to go win the World Series next year. Right. But th- this is what you're doing. And I got news for you. If you think the Mets spending all this money means they're not getting Otani, if you gave me the odds right now, and I don't know what they are, bet online, uh, or, you know, Bovada or wherever you go, I, I don't know what the, the odds are on Otani, who I have said, and I've said this on the show months ago, I feel very, very strongly that Otani next year, and this is not, by the way, rocket science, either going to be a Dodger, a Yankee, or a Met. That, that's it. That's it. This guy knows the money he's worth. He's all about, and and I don't mean in a bad way, loves and soaks up every way you should, the spotlight and is a star. And that's where you want to be a star. No offense, because down the five freeway, not L.A. It's with the Dodgers in that uniform, the Yankees or the Mets. That's where Otani's going to go. You think right now that because the Mets spent all this money and now they got Correa, they're out on Otani? I would put them as the favorite to get Otani because Steve Cohen gives no Fs. He doesn't care. F isn't even in his alphabet. He got 25 letters when he works with his kids. A, B, C, D, E. I don't give no Fs. G. Otani definitely in play. I don't know what this is going to mean. I don't know whether or not the Mets are going to be as great a team as they're supposed to be. But your favorites right now in the National League to get to the World Series are your New York Mets. Your favorites to win the division next year are your New York Mets. Haven't seen the odds? Wouldn't be surprised if even with the Astros, your favorites to win the World Series right now. Now, they got a couple of former Astros in Verlander and Correa are your New York Mets. That guarantees you nothing. But if you're a Met fan, soak this up. Live it. Swim in it. Enjoy it. Call your friends, text your pals, and then imagine if that same thread, those same friends, and those texts, one of those guys or you own the team because that is why Steve Cohen is doing all of this. God bless him. God bless you. God bless America. And God bless the New York Mets. We, as always, on Unfiltered are presented by Bet Online. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.